I saw a video this weekend, kids in Minneapolis interacting with police officers. The video shook me to my core. I'm going to explain what happened, what's happening in that video. Toddlers in pampers, clothless, bickering with the police. This is going to be a great episode of Fearless. Welcome. Welcome to Fearless with Jason Whitlock. I am Jason Whitlock, your host. Uh, happy Monday to you and yours. You made it through the weekend. So did we. And we're back with another great episode of Fearless, ready to take on this week. Uh, TJ Moe is here in studio with me. TJ, the show me kid. He'll be with me today and tomorrow. Love having you. Uh, Royce White uh, will be on today's show, as will Delano Squires. Uh, Jerome Davison the uh, former Oakland Raider football player that put out that terrific uh, political campaign ad where he's taking on the KKK with a semi-automatic weapon. Anyway, I'll explain more later, but he's gonna be on the show, but we're gonna start uh, by talking about the video I just played for you, and uh, there was a young lady in Minneapolis, Sheila Qualls, who actually wrote about uh, that video and what we're seeing there. And it's police, Minneapolis police in this Minneapolis St. Paul area showing up to investigate a potential murder suspect. And two of the officers that are standing out on the street are confronted by a host of young people. Some of them clearly as young as two or three still in diapers. They're out there clothesless. And those young people are shouting profanities, taking swings at, they've clearly been radicalized uh, by this anti-police movement we have going on here in America. Uh, defund the police, particularly in Minneapolis, where George Floyd is has been venerated for the last two years and we've started the Juneteenth George Floyd holiday season. It's not shocking to me that young people, children, toddlers, babies have been caught up in the anti-police sentiment. Some of you could sit there and say, hey, well, the police deserve it, and Derek Chauvin brought this on them. I'm just sorry, that's just not true. I look at those young kids, and I see kids that have virtually no chance at life. I, it, watching that video made me think of the movie Children of a Lesser God. And this is a 1986 movie, has nothing to do with police or, or violence or any of that, but just Children of a Lesser God 
was a movie about uh, William Hurt, I think was the lead character, and he's teaching at a deaf school. And he, he is, falls in love with a woman who had graduated from this deaf school who refused to speak. And uh, they have this love affair, but it, it's, it's all about connecting the hearing world, a hearing person, trying to connect with someone from a different world, a deaf person, someone who, who can't uh, hear and who, who can't speak either, th this particular woman. It's like two worlds colliding. And the name of the movie, Children of the Lesser God, is, is basically kind of playing off like these kids, and again, it's not the greatest title, but it's what they're trying to convey is these kids coming from a different God than those of us who are blessed with hearing and the ability to talk and whatever, and they call it Children of a Lesser God. It's a very good movie. And so when I'm watching this video, I'm going, these are children of a lesser George. See, George Floyd, whether we like it or not, and I know the leftists, the woke people are gonna scream, their heads are gonna explode, but we, we're venerating George Floyd now in this era not George Washington. And so this era of kids are, are being children of a lesser George. We used to venerate George Washington. I hear the leftists, oh, George Washington owned slaves. He was terrible. George Floyd, all he did was like fentanyl, and he's a victim, and he got killed by uh, Derek Chauvin. He got killed by his drug abuse, and Derek Chauvin uh, contributed not gonna deny that, but this whole veneration of George Floyd, and, and we're creating children who have been radicalized and hate the police, and that child, children in diapers that are taking swings at and cursing at the police, potentially one day will be the same kids that get pulled over for a routine traffic stop, hop out of the car and either run away from the police or attack the police or refuse to cooperate with the police and end up in harm's way. The lack of respect for authority and the lack of respect for a male authority figure, all of this stuff is frightening and heartbreaking. That 30 second video, and from what I understand from Sheila Qualls' story, and we'll have Sheila on here in a second, the video actually goes on for two, two and a half minutes. They only show a 30 second clip. But the attack and, and the disrespect from these toddlers goes on for an extended period of time and there seem to be teenagers or older kids around who are spurring them on, who are also shouting profanities at the police. There's like a world that we have created for poor black and brown kids where we are convincing them that their mission in life is to hate the police and authority and that the blackest thing they can do is to hate the police and again this and then we're this elite society and the rest of society that's not black, brown, and poor, live in a different world where 
We pay for the police to come protect us. We call the police whenever there's a problem or trouble. We, we may sit on TV and pretend like we hate the police, but in reality, we get along quite well with law enforcement and we have respect for law enforcement. And you'll never see LeBron James acting uh, in a hostile manner towards law enforcement. He'll never, you know, he may pay the bill of the people out rioting and looting, but he ain't going to go riot and loot. And that's, again, looking at those kids, those are like, those are looters and rioters in training. We have failed. We have failed. This, my generation has failed young people. We have allowed this sort of cultural rot to take root in too many communities and in the minds of too many young people. And uh, again, I, I, don't, I don't, Sheila wrote a, a great story about this and has her own thoughts that are somewhat different than mine. You know, this, the George Floyd connection that I'm drawing, she certainly didn't in her story for Alpha News where this story has been reported. I don't see much of the mainstream media picking up on this, but this is a sad, poignant, important story that we need to put in people's faces. These are the ramifications of this hostile culture we've built towards law enforcement. We're radicalizing kids. We're turning them into domestic terrorists, for lack of a better description. This is the same stuff we, Al-Qaeda allegedly radicalizing people. That's what we've done to young people. And it's sad and it's tragic. And Sheila Qualls, I wanna uh, bring you into this conversation. She's the executive director of Take Charge in Minnesota. Uh, Sheila, uh, thank you so much, one, for writing about this issue. And you came at it more from the uh, point of view of the destruction of the family structure, fatherless homes. Uh, expound on when you saw the video, what were your immediate thoughts and tell us about the column you wrote. Oh, well, thank you. Thank you for having me on. Um, you know what? My immediate thoughts were um, these children probably don't have fathers. And all of the mayhem and just um, the disorderly, the chaos that we see in the black community today is a result of not having fathers in the home. This is generations of not having fathers in the home. And, um, you know, um, these kids are really sort of like the great grandchildren of the great society. This is what we've created as a result of taking fathers out of the home. Sheila, I've said this uh, for a number of years, or at least past five, six, seven years since we've been hyper-focused on police, that the first police officers every child needs to meet is mom and dad. That's who Absolutely. should be officer friendly and the very first police officers. And we have abandoned that role. We have grandparents raising kids. We have kids raising kids. We certainly have the absentee father, but, but we also have created a culture where uh, people are afraid to police discipline, uh, uh, correct their children. 
and so, and then we look up and say, uh, man, we, we want police officers to police our kids and be the first discipline they experience. And then we're surprised when they don't react well to that experience. Yeah, you know, when you take fathers out of the home, children are not learning to respect authority. Um, so the first authority figure, as you said, the first authority figure they should come in contact with should be their parents. That's where it should start. But what's happening is the first authority figures these kids are seeing is either a teacher at school or a police officer. And we see reports all the time of how those situations do not turn out well. Um, we're not, we are not doing our jobs as parents. Um, this is it's a huge problem in the black community, but it's, it's also spreading out into the broader society as well. Sheila, I, I know your husband ran for, I believe, governor in Minnesota. Mm -hmm. And so I, I want to ask you, what are the political solutions? And again, there, there's very few political solutions to spiritual problems. And so I see this as a <laughs> spiritual problem. Uh, but, but again, what type of policies can politicians embrace that would impact and send this culture a different direction? Mm. Well, you know, um, I don't really know if, if the government is the solution to this problem. I mean, it's really gonna have to start with us in the black community deciding, which is what we talk about at Take Charge, deciding, you know what, we want a different way of life. We are going against this prevailing narrative that um, America is systemically racist, that you can't get ahead because of white privilege. What we're seeing with those children has nothing to do with white privilege. It has nothing to do with that at all. And I don't even really know, like I said, if the government is the solution. You know, obviously we can do tax policies and things like that that will support the family, but we in the black community, we have got to get a hold of this and we've got to say, you know what, this is enough. We have got to do this differently. How is that message being received, particularly in Minnesota where the spectacle or the image of George Floyd has been so elevated. How is that message being received in the black community through your organization, Take Charge? Well, you know what? We go into the black community and we have recruited people out of that community to actually address these problems. So we have, um, right now we have about 50 volunteers and these people are willing to look at a different way of life. Um, and then what we are hoping to do is then deploy these people into the community so that they can continue spreading this message. You know, the, the, um, I think where this message should be coming from is not the government, but is the church. And I think that the church has really fallen down on the job. We have, um, you know, we have allowed all of this to go on without ever saying, you know what, let's stop. You know, we, we started celebrating unwed births. Um, and I'm not saying that people don't, you know, make mistakes and that a child that's born out of wedlock is, is any less than any other child. But we should be hearing about um, morality and virtue from the church. And we are not hearing that at all. They, they've really fallen down on their job. I, I, I think we should be hearing about the benefits of marriage from the church. Absolutely, the, absolutely. The, <laughs> that, that's what I, particularly from the church, again, if, if anybody understands God's order and what he prescribes, family, man, woman, and child. Absolutely. And it seems like the church 
has abandoned that message and and you know to me what has put me at odds with a lot of the, the black church experiences which is basically all I know is the culture seems very matriarchal and hostile mm -hmm. to the patriarchy I would absolutely agree. Um, I, I could not have said that better myself. You know, um, we degrade our men. Um, you know, black women aren't taught how to be wives. You know, we don't raise up our daughters to say, you know what, this is your husband, respect him. You're in a partnership with him. Um, together, you're gonna build a life that's gonna be something that's incredible. And we're not getting that message at all. You know, we, we don't see it on TV. Um, in magazines, everywhere we look, it's the black woman, the strong black woman who is degrading her man. Um, we don't lift up marriage. And until I believe that we need to solve this by lifting up the men in our culture, you know, lifting up men, lifting up marriage and encouraging men, you know what, get married. Don't be a baby daddy, you know, marry this woman and become a husband and a father. The, the, the thing that I've said about this matriarchal culture we have and the celebration of the black woman, we're the backbone of this thing, we, we, you know, we're the strength, we're this, we're that. And I just keep saying, well, let's look at the results. And I, I'm not saying that to denigrate you because there, there's two of us that are failing here. Both the man and the woman are failing here, but all this beating your chest about you're the backbone and you're this and you're that, the results are, are, are just not good. If, if you're the 0-16 Tampa Bay Buccaneers or, or Detroit Lions, what are you bragging about? Who, who <laughs> just because you're the best player on the worst team, uh, <laughs> I just don't know if that's something to be bragging about. It, it should make yeah. you say, I need, uh, but it's, you, you, I want to put this graphic up. We took it straight from your column, some of the facts about children from fatherless homes, mm -hmm. four times more likely to end up in poverty, more likely to be sexually and physically abused. I, I want to stop there on that, that first, the second one here, more likely to be sexually and physically abused. This is one thing that I think never gets talked about in the media. Mm -hmm. when, when you're in all these single parent homes and neighborhoods, what that means is there's less adult supervision. And yes. if kids aren't supervised, there's going to be sexual abuse. That's one of the consequences of this single parent familyhood system that we have. You need two supervisors over children. It just does not work nearly as well when there's only one supervisor because the one supervisor is generally busy with a job and a bunch of other things. Yeah, you know, that's true. Um, it's, it's not only busy with the job, but what's happening now is they're not busy with the job. You know, they're, they're not working. They're out, you know, um, enjoying their lives and these children are being unsupervised. You know, I don't, I don't think it's the fault of those children that they're behaving like they are. And I think most people would agree with that. Um, what they're, they're, they're emulating what they're seeing um, and it, and what they're, they're not seeing uh, models of respect. Like you said, that mom and that dad, they are absolutely responsible for teaching that child respect. Um, if, if they don't learn it at home, if you don't learn it in the home, you're not gonna learn it 
outside of the home because, you know, out there it's kind of like, you know, I mean, I don't want my first grader being taught respect and socialization from 30 other first graders. It just doesn't work that way. And it's not God's design. Like you said earlier, God didn't design it so that the woman is the head of the household. Now, I'm not saying women aren't equal. I'm not saying that at all. E women are absolutely equal to men. We're as smart as, you know, we deserve equal work, equal pay, all of that stuff. Nobody is saying any of that stuff. But what we need to understand is there's a design and it has been set into place since the beginning of time when God created the world. And when we go outside of that design, when we decide, nah, I'm gonna do it a different way, like you said, it never ends well. And we can look at the results of what we have today. I wanna go back to our graphic. 85% of children uh, with behavioral ish disorders, I'm talking about children from fatherless homes, two times more likely to be obese, 90% of runaways and homeless, 71% of high school dropouts, 63% of youth suicides, more likely to commit a crime, 85% of youth in prison. It's just, it's crystal clear and we just have to snap out of this denial. And I, I you know, it's so frustrating that everything, I, I don't want to drag you in because you live in Minnesota and it's, I don't, but, but what do you think of my assertion that I'm not, this video coming out of Minneapolis two years in the aftermath of George Floyd, it just doesn't surprise me that this culture, so hostile to police, that this is the legacy of, of the George Floyd incident. You know what? I think I think that's partly true. Um, you know, this hostility towards the police started, you know, a few years back, but it has never been the way that it is right now. Um, after the George Floyd incident, it it literally exploded. And I do believe that this is a result of that. You know, our children are being taught policemen are bad. What happened to the days when, you know, we used to have policemen come into the school and talk to the kids and, you know, and, and they were your friends and they were the good guys. You know, now they are totally villainized. And I do believe um, that the widespread sort of this explosion of this was definitely due to the George Floyd incident. Sheila, thank you so much for the time. Really appreciate it. Uh, thank you for publishing your story and getting this out there and giving us something to talk about. Uh, great job. Uh, TJ, I wanted to, I didn't want to drag you into that interview, but I do want, you know, as the uh, white guy, I want to put you on the spot here. Mm -hmm. <laughs> anyway, no, your reaction to the video and just any of that conversation. Sheila's great. She gets it. Um, she's one of the few that get it. And we talked about the fatherless homes. We are, I got a, a message from a friend that I went to Mizzou with, she was a female athlete, and um, we were talking about, it's a little bit off topic, but I'll bring it back around. The idea was, everybody got in a group and we used to have people come in and talk to the women about their professional lives and what they need to do and all that. And they said, what do you wanna be when you get out of college? She's like, I'm just dying to be a mom. She's like, I just wanna be a stay-at-home mom and take care of my house and their kids. And all the women said, you better come up with a better plan than that. And I'm like, so we're teaching this partially because the men are gone, so they may have to become professional in whatever they do and, and provide. But, but ideally, 
you should be able to have a man, and this it's been several decades now since the income worked exactly like this, but you should be able to have a man and his wife, and the man goes to work, and the woman raises the home, and she can look after those kids and teach them the right way, and you have time to invest in them. To me, those kids look like they have a mother who doesn't have any time to invest in them and to show them and to observe the world and see what's right and what's wrong and how do I protect these kids. That was not protecting those kids. That's setting those kids up to get killed at some point in the next 10 years. They're actively picking a fight with the police when they're two years old. You're, you're setting them up for death. I don't know this because I'm not married, haven't been married, perhaps you do. Are there any tax benefits yeah. to being married and one of the uh, parents working from home or uh, b being a full-time parent? Are there any tax benefits to that? There's tax benefits to being married, right? Because um, you file jointly and then you have you know, your income and bright. There are, but there's, there's tax benefits to being single and having a kid. And that's, I should say, welfare benefits, right? And this, this was brought in during like the 1960s. Right. And so that's the fight you're having. And this is why the, the real, the, I'm against gay marriage. The, the, the Bible has been around a whole lot longer than the government. I'm not sure why the government has stepped in and decided they get to define marriage. And so I, I have thought, I, I heard Ben Shapiro talking about this several years ago, we should get the government out of it altogether. Government's got nothing to do with marriage. We don't need extra tax benefits. You know, the idea was put the family together and then you, uh, it helps all of society to give them tax breaks and then to give them tax breaks on kids for each kid that you yeah. have and all that stuff. And so the government, you would want to encourage that so we can grow our population so that we can, uh, that's how the economy works, right? Um, we don't need that. The families that are actually together are not the ones who are in dire need of government help. It's the families that aren't together. So we should get the government out of it altogether, and we should really look at how we're distributing welfare as an advantage to not being married and having children. Because there's a lot of guys that would be around otherwise that, you know, what it's the old infamous um, man in the house checks they used to do back in the 60s and 70s. Yeah. It's like the got to make sure there's no guy here or else we can't actually give you your government benefits. That stuff's got to go away. That obviously has gone away, but the idea has stuck around. So there's a lot of benefit if you're having a kid out of wedlock to not have that guy around and not get married because you may actually take a pay cut. All right, I got to take care of some business. Uh, America needs change, but the center of that change has to be the family, your family. We can return to that time with our families and create moments for real conversation, but it's only then we can create the change we want to see if it all starts at the dinner table. With time together as a family, Good Rancher's mission is to bring people to the table and they really want you to know this. Making those moments around the table easy, accessible, and delicious is what they do best and it's what they deliver in every single box. Good Ranchers guarantees you 100% American meat that's born, raised, and harvested here in the United States and delivered to your door. You will know exactly where it comes from and who you're supporting. I've personally tried it and it is awesome. Now, I know what you're thinking. It's not like one delivery is great and the next isn't. Nope. Every box has superior quality, flavor, and value. 
the T-bones, burgers, ribeyes, and even the chicken, it's all some of the best. Good Ranchers is a company that supports American agriculture, plus they support us and what we do, so go check them out. Support those who support us. Make sure you use my promo code FEARLESS to get $30 off your order, plus free express shipping. You can make gatherings at the table common again with Good Ranchers. Take advantage of this offer before it's gone. Go to GoodRanchers.com fearless to start bringing people to the table, creating change in America, and eating seriously delicious food from Good Ranchers. All right, Royce White. Eric's. All right, welcome back. Uh, we want to bring uh, Royce White into the conversation uh, that we were just having with Sheila Qualls about her story about these young kids, these toddlers in Minneapolis. Uh, actually, they're in the St. Paul area, but Minneapolis police go to investigate, ask some questions about a murder. Uh, I believe these kids, I was told, were the, uh, their girlfriends or their mothers was the girlfriend of the murder suspect they were investigating. Uh, so let's, before we bring Royce on, I wanna play the clip for Royce again and just get us all up to speed once again if you join us late or something. But anyway, here are two police officers uh, on the scene trying to investigate or trying to question a murder suspect. And these are toddlers harassing, cursing at trying to fight the police. Uh, and Royce, one of the reasons I wanted to bring you on, not to put you on the spot, because again, I think uh, that video, something similar like that could happen in a lot of American cities, but I don't think it's a coincidence that it's happening in Minneapolis where George Floyd has been venerated and the police have been demonized. And I look at those young kids and think they've been radicalized uh, by a culture and an environment that has just gone overboard with the demonization of, of law enforcement. Uh, Roy, so I just, I, your reaction to my take on that, that the veneration of George Floyd and the demonization of of police and law enforcement has gone overboard to where kids in diapers have been radicalized? Well, first of all, um, those kids being outside in their diapers in the first place is a clear sign that, that there's something very wrong. I don't, I don't care where you're from, but, but especially if you come from a black neighborhood like I do, when you drive by in a neighborhood and there's little toddlers outside with no shoes in their diaper, you know something's, something's off about the parents and their parenting. Um, the, the sentiment towards the cops, look, and, and I have to say it this way because it, it, it just is this way. The, you get the government you deserve. 
And, and I have to keep reiterating this to people as I'm on this campaign trail running for Congress against Ilhan in this very community. Um, people get the government they deserve. And that goes for everybody on any place of the political spectrum. We all have gotten the government we deserve. At the same time, government gets the people it deserves. And there is a higher power, a bigger, broader, more sophisticated establishment that finds value in pitting black versus white or black versus blue while they make off with the green. And we're getting we're getting played. I mean, that's the reality. All of these stories, all of these issues, the young man who just got shot 60 times, uh, uh, this story, all, all pick one. Doesn't matter. Pick one. We're all getting played. These are the WWE politics that have real life consequences, that have a real life impact on communities, but are a distraction from a much broader scheme and design to take American citizenship and freedom. They're going to crash this currency. They're going to crash this economy worldwide and we'll be scuffling back and forth about, you know, some some indoctrination of some, you know, low level, no disrespect to people losing their lives or whatever's going on, but some low level argument between police and, 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 and communities. And, and that's what's happening. And you're seeing it right there. Those young black kids will grow up with more emotional, with a with a with a more potent emotional opinion about the police and they'll never know what the federal reserve is and that's not by accident and it's the government that likes it that way so when those young black kids have that ill feeling towards policing it's because the police represent that establishment their anger is just grossly misplaced which is also by design <clears throat> i've I can't, I don't know if, if I'm going to give the proper description, but I've gone back and forth on this issue of, like, when you incarcerate as many people as America does, that's going to breed a hostility. Because one thing that I've tried to explain to people is, like, the people inside the prison don't do the time alone. Everyone connected to them outside of the prison does the time right along with them. They get financially exploited. Uh, it's so expensive. You have a loved one that you care about in prison, and if you've ever sent money to put on their books, if you've ever paid to collect phone calls or sent them calling cards and got them all the, the essentials they need to survive or whatever, and then you're talking with them, you internalize and feel that pain of incarceration. And so incarceration, and again, this isn't me saying, hey, we gotta let everybody out of jail, out of prison, but uh, we, we have gone away from any thought of rehabilitation for the most part as it relates to prison and giving people a ray of hope. Again, none of what I'm talking about is making excuses because at the end of the day, Royce, I agree with you what my frustration is, is that that police officer, those two police officers, are probably making anywhere between 60 and 80, maybe 90,000, I, I don't know, 100, yeah. whatever. Yeah. They're working class people, and they've been pitted against other either working class or poor people. They're not the shot callers. They're doing what their local politicians have instructed them to do, and we direct all of our animus 
at these worker bee police officers. And, and that was my whole problem with Colin Kaepernick taking a knee on a football field. I was like, hey man, go to City Hall. City Hall, if you got a problem with the police, go to the mayor's office, go visit your city council people, blah, blah. Why are you protesting on a football field? Why aren't you taking your frustration? And, and I'm really gonna get myself in trouble here, but I could care less. This is what I respected about January the 6th. And I will always defend those people. They went directly to the people they have a problem with and protested there. I have so much more respect for that than taking a knee on a football field, throwing up a fist somewhere, all this tweeting, hashtags, whatever. That took a pair of balls and, and I will always defend those people because that, <clears throat> I'm just sorry, that, that take it directly to the people that are calling the shots and the people that are getting rich. These Nancy Pelosi and all these millionaires that are making these decisions, take it directly to them. I'm, I'm on a rant. I don't even know if I got a question, but if you could just respond to that, Royce. <laughs> well, well, I agree with you. Look, there are multiple things happening at once and we have to be, we have to have the faith um, and the sacred honor to be able to discern between all of the things that are happening at once because we are going to have to navigate them all at once. And this is no knock on the police as some broad critique. I think we should refund and overhaul police refunding. I've said that many times, and, and, and I truly believe that. I think the police are grossly underpaid for the uh, the cultural decay that the corporatocracy has set before them. But But let's be clear, at the same time, the police departments do have a moral culpability to not take orders from corrupt politicians. And by and large, they have allowed themselves to become an offshoot and byproduct of a corrupt political system. Why? Radical materialism. I mean, it all circles back to the same set of issues, a loss of faith. And um, let, let's take the sheriffs, for, for example. Primary, primary example of how an American institution is supposed to have an oath to the people and to the Constitution, but has allowed themselves and their oath to be bought out by corporate interests. The sheriffs are supposed to protect the oath. We saw this with the vaccine mandate. The sheriff should have never allowed any vaccine mandates to come to their office and then execute those orders or follow through with those orders. Now, many sheriff departments across the country rebelled against that. However, there were some who went along and ultimately, the corrupt politicians have been given the power and autonomy to fire or, or shut down whole precincts that don't want to go with the corrupt political system. So we have big, big institutional issues in this country. And these young black children who are toddlers, you know, they are, they are um, bystanders of a cultural decay. Now, is their behavior acceptable? Of course not. It's ridiculous. It's, it's completely ignorant and, and absurd. But Obviously, their parents have impacted them, but even more so, the, the broader uh, sentiment and culture and establishment in media hasn't probably impacted them as well. And all of it needs to be sorted out, and there's only one way to do it. We need adequate, competent leadership. And right now, for the most part, everybody who's watching this has substituted their, their um, standard for adequate leadership for their own personal ambitions. I want to be rich. I want to be famous. I want to be comfortable. I want to feel security. I want to get high. I want to jerk off. So Joe Biden got it. The FBI got it. The CIA, they got it. 
The Supreme Court has it, right? The, 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 the local legislator in my, in my community or in my state, they got it to the point where we don't even vote as we should. These are the, so, so to me, when I go out to the community and I hear people's complaints, I ask a few set of control questions. Well, do you vote? Okay, what party are you affiliated? Why? Do you know about the Federal Reserve? Okay, there are these control questions and most people know more about P-Valley, the TV series, than they know about the Federal Reserve. If you know more about P-Valley than you do the Federal Reserve, you don't actually get an opinion on these issues because you're not a real citizen yet because you're not participating as a citizen. Now, you have the rights of an American citizen when you're born, and they should be before you're born, but you are not a participating American citizen. So how can you have an opinion on issues that pertain to American citizens? You gotta participate. Don't you guys think that this instance, and I actually wanna throw these kids out, that between two and five years old, you, there is no such thing as discernment. All they're doing is just reflecting whatever they've been shown, and, and that's it. It's a, throw these kids out of it, not their fault. It's an indictment on their mother, the girlfriend of the person being invest, investigated. Uh, don't you think it's just the next installment of failing the kids? 20% of this younger generation is on that LGBTQ spectrum they say. We are taking them to drag shows and sexually indoctrinating them. Disney's putting it in their movies now. You've got, we're teaching CRT in school, so when these kids are old enough, these whatever it was, three or four black kids, they're going to be told that those white cops have been, since their birth, oppressing these young kids, right? We, we are leaving them, when, when Barack Obama took office, we had $6 trillion worth of debt. We're at $30 trillion now, 5 x it in whatever it is, 14 years. You know, we, we stole two years of their education because adults were afraid of COVID, not because they affected the kids. So it's like, this to me is just the next installment of failing our kids at every opportunity. It does not matter what the kids need. It doesn't matter that the kids need to be told that it's officer friendly and that, hey, if you get lost, if we ever get separated, go find somebody with a badge and he will help you. That's what you tell a two-year-old. You don't tell him how to talk like this and then go attack the police officer because my boyfriend is being investigated and you as a two-year-old need to go keep him away. It's, it's certainly... And I, I, you, you blame the girlfriend appropriately, but again, a lot of this just comes down dad and girlfriend, dad and mom, uh, mom and dad, parents. This is the cultural rot of a society that places, and a culture that places no emphasis on marriage and family and the proper development of, of young kids. Royce, Today, and I, I know you're in Dallas, but I, I, and I, I would like to talk it out right here just a little bit, because when I saw this video and I immediately thought of you, I, 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 I hate to say it, but I, I am going to say it. I, I think like there's an opportunity to throw some gasoline on your political fire. Uh, and I want to talk to you about it both here on the show and after the show. You know, later in the show, we're going to have this Jerome Davison on, uh, the guy that made the, the Arizona guy running for Congress. He made the commercial that went viral about the KKK and, you know, why he keeps an automatic weapon. I, I, I'm wondering if there isn't some commercial we could do with you that speaks to we show a little bit of this cultural rot here, these young kids. 
and, and, and Royce articulates what the solution is, where we need to go, because I, I, th this video to me captures everything that's wrong and why we need leaders like yourself that aren't selling out, aren't sitting about how can I get rich and thinking about how can we correct this problem here Am I wrong for, and again, I'm not trying to exploit this, but I just think it, it lays bare everything about why we need guys like you involved in politics. I think there's a lot of opportunity, especially Minneapolis. You know, Minneapolis is going to continue to be a cultural epicenter of all of these, these major political issues. And, um, you know, my, my campaign is going well by my estimation. I'm, I'm having a lot of traction with people who have previously voted Democrat, who didn't vote at all, who weren't really uh, uh, up on a number of these issues, who are being very positive and optimistic and, and appreciative that, that we're trying to spread uh, a message that hasn't readily been heard. Um, but, but we got major, major institutional problems. You know, m my primary opponent, Cicely Davis, um, you know, is is a raging uniparty rhino globalist, right? And, and you know, she sat right up before a CD5 convention and said abortion is red meat politics for the base. She goes right on Fox News the other day. They put her right up there as as a prop. Who's in on it and who's not? Right. So you know, there's a number of commercials that we could do. The solution is simple. The solution is we have strayed the path from God in an egregious, egregious way. We have to go back there. That's the only answer for these young black children, for the the the, uh, the pirates and the corrupt snakes that, that work for the Fed and Wall Street, for all these political grifters, for all these political pundits that take money for, from special interest groups, from all these people in the, out there in Davos, Switzerland, who wanna take us to some new form of slavery. All of them have to go back to God. That's the only answer. They have no honor. They have no sacred honor. And it's very hard to come by sacred honor without God. This country was supposed to be one nation under God because we felt, the people who founded this country felt, that a subservience to a higher power was the only tangible method to keep the, the, the aspiration of what America could grow to be in size and stature in some type of moral alignment. And we've lost that somewhere along the line, in multiple places along, along the line, but mostly after World War II, we became a radical materialist scienti scientific uh, technocracy. And, and all of these people wanna believe that science will make their lives better, and they've come up empty. Empty, empty, empty time and time again. I'm tired of hearing the, the complaints and the excuses. These people don't even want us to pray. They don't want us to pray in school. They don't want these young kids to know God. Well, what do they think they're going to know if they don't know God? They know selfish, self-centered uh, uh, materialism or the radical indoctrination from their parents who are self-centered, selfish, selfish materialists. The, 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 the hoodwink, the bait and switch is to think that that black mother is any more of a radical materialist than Nancy Pelosi or Mitch McConnell. All three of them are in the same exact boat. And so... I've heard you talk about sacred honor. That's, that's, to me, a catchphrase that kind of defines what you represent a return to having a sacred honor. And I, I want you and, and, and TJ jump in as well, but 
when I think of what our most sacred things should be, is leaving the world in a better place for these young people behind us. And yep. that's when I looked at these kids, I'm like, oh my God, you talk about a violation of our sacred honor. What are we doing here? And so it, it just tugged at my heartstrings and I'm just wondering if there's a way at which, and I'm saying this to you is because I'll, if there's some commercial we can come up with, I'll help finance it. I gave to Kathy Barnett's uh, uh, campaign in, in, in Pennsylvania and Philadelphia against Dr. Oz. I certainly would like to support you and, and what you're doing. Uh, but, but I, and I, again, we'll have Jerome Davidson on. I, I just want to add fuel to your message and, and make it harder for people to look the other way and, and deny you. Because, and again, hopefully you'll have success here, but even if this doesn't work, I just want to get your name out there and make people have to deal with you. And, and again, I, I think there's an opportunity here perhaps, and we can talk about it a little later today uh, if yeah. you're interested. Yeah, thanks, man. I appreciate it. Look, you're absolutely right, though. I mean, I think the young kids and how they've been indoctrinated, somebody's robbed them of their innocence, right? Uh, abortion is robbing a child of their innocence. All of these are cardinal sins, right? When you when you, when you you violate the, the innocence of a child, you're, you're committing a cardinal sin. And the, the real scam here beyond what I mentioned before is that most of the political agenda that's laid out right now runs on a platform that all of it is for future generations prosperity when in actuality none of it is for them i mean that is the ultimate three card monty where you have boomers and and people who are 30 to 40 to 50 saying we're doing all of these things with lgbtq crt the fed the climate we're doing all of it for a future better a better future for our kids here in america and around the world none of it's for the kids it's all for them Thank you, Royce. Uh, great job as always. We'll talk a little bit later. Uh, get your fearless army swag at shopblazemedia.com backslash fearless. Uh, Professor D. Delano Squires. X. Politicians will never let a crisis go to waste. We have been invaded. The crisis is being used by Republicans as a photo op by the Democrats to expand their voting base. More than 85% of everybody reaching the border is coming in. That's the definition of an open border. Just down the road, you can get in no problem, no Humvees, no armed guards. What people don't realize is there's a way around everything. The Blaze Originals team traveled to the Texas border, ground zero of the most controversial news story of 2024. With some experts estimating over 4 million border crossings in 2023 alone, we embedded with the Take Our Border Back convoy to investigate. What if the entire narrative you thought you knew was a lie? Go watch the real story of Texas versus the feds and how the elites use the border crisis against us by visiting realbordercrisis.com and use code TEXAS for $30 off an annual subscription to Blaze TV. All right, welcome back. Uh, time to get a little smarter and bring on 
Man, it's hard to say that right after Royce gets off, but I'm still calling Delano the smartest man on the show. Uh, Delano, uh, welcome uh, to the show. And I want to continue for just a quick second the conversation that we were just having with Royce White, uh, we have with Sheila Qualls. Uh, I, I, want, I don't know if you've seen this video of these tiny little kids in Minneapolis. Police show up to investigate a murder. Kids, toddlers in diapers harassing, cussing at the police. I want to play you this clip and then just get your reaction as a father. We've radicalized children, man. Yeah, Jason, I mean, it, p p part of what I'm seeing there obviously is a complete breakdown in order and respect for authority. But even if these kids were saying that to any adult on the street, right? Let's say it's an adult that said, hey, kids, don't play too close to the street. You may get hurt and the children responded in that way, right? Because those kids, the ones that I saw, I put them between two and five years old. Um, that is a testament to how they are being raised. And I know some people may get uncomfortable with that because you, you see black children of that age and you talk about how someone's being raised. Some people feel you may be playing into racist stereotypes or whatever, but I honestly don't care. When you have children that young, who are saying those words in their, for lack of a better term, um, right usage, right? It's not like a kid, somebody said, officer friendly said, hey, dude, would you like some ice cream? And the kid just blurts out something and not, is not, doesn't know how he's using it. They know exactly how they're using it because they've, they've heard it before. And I'm, I'm not terribly surprised because, I mean, I've seen some of this behavior before from children. And this is different than blaming parents for the behavior of 18 and 19 year olds. Children who repeat those words in that context are hearing those things over and over and over and over again in their household and in their community. And that's a problem. Yeah, I, I just, we've been having a discussion all day. I just wanted to get your thoughts just as a dad. I, the things got me shook up. I, I just, I just can't believe. Because again, you use the word officer friendly, and probably until fourth or fifth grade, that, that's what we called the police, uh, yeah. officer friendly. And and just th they show up to investigate a murder, and they're attacked by tiny children. It's it's gut wrenching. And, and uh, I want to move on. I'm sorry. Okay. Go ahead. No, I was gonna say no. Go really ahead. Quick, R really quick. The, the other thing that I want people to realize is that those kids go to a school somewhere and when they end up inevitably getting in trouble for their behavior and if this is not corrected, getting suspended and expelled and put on the path to a life of crime, everybody's going to say, well, what, what didn't the school do and what about uh, other government programs? 
but this is the trajectory. When, when kids, first of all, wear their clothes, question number one, but when kids are out almost naked in the street, cursing and, and hitting police officers, grown men, and then you turn around and say, well, I can't, I'm, I don't know why they don't have the same uh, educational and social outcomes as everybody else. Um, when you ask those questions with a straight face, you're clearly not a serious person. So I, I hope whoever these children are, they get the help, the guidance, and the discipline that they need in order to grow up to become productive citizens. Uh, let's move on to your column you wrote about Macy Gray and, mm -hmm. and wokeism. For let's get everybody up to speed. Let's let's show the back to back. I think first <laughs> she's on Piers Morgan, and then a few days later. She's been through re-education camp and she's on the mm. Today Show. Let's play those clips back to back. And I, I will say this and everybody's gonna hate me, but as a woman, just because you go change your plots doesn't make you a woman. Right. Sorry. You feel that? I know that for a fact. Mm. Well, uh, I never, of course, meant to hurt anybody with, with uh, what I said. I'm, a, I'm actually a huge, uh, I think it takes a lot of courage to be yourself, to, to, to go out in the world and be honest about who you are. And uh, so I think anyone who is uh, in the LGBT community is a hero and, and sets an example for all of us with that, you know? And as you go on to write in your column today, uh, she says being a woman is a vibe. Mm. Uh, <laughs> anyway, uh, your take on Macy Gray and her re-education. Yeah, I, I mean, it's, it's easy to beat up on Macy Gray and people like her who bend the knee so quickly and willingly, um, bend the knee to the, the, the false gods of, of gender ideology. But what I want to do in my column is really talk about um, the difference between these false idols and this fake religion, right? Wokeism generally, right? The the social justice taken to its extreme generally, um, but specifically the part of it that deals with the, the, the transgenderist denomination and juxtapose that with true Christianity, which also um, involves right the uh, justice, a definition of justice that includes wrath and punishment, but it also has an opportunity for redemption and there's grace and there's mercy there because of the finished work of Jesus Christ. And anyone who believes in that finished work can be forgiven. Their sins can fully and finally be paid for. But in the false religion, there's all the justice and the wrath, but none of the forgiveness. So people like Macy Gray have to submit themselves to public flogging over and over and over again. And they have to have uh, an ever-growing list of uh, sacrifices to show that they have learned their lesson and what you see is just uh, an explosion of shame and, and that's why pe that's why she couldn't even look you know the the host in her eyes because he's just, she's ashamed of herself and my main point of my, of my column is that you know uh, Christianity offers something far better than what these false religions do Delano you pointed out that there is no there is no ultimate sacrifice when you go down this road. Why do you think people like Macy Gray, we have, we have years of evidence now, seeing people try to go out on a limb and then they say something that's not remotely controversial like, hey, mm -hmm. you can't just become a woman. And then 
realizing what, that the woke mob is still the woke mob that it was five minutes ago, they not only have to repent, but actually have to join the army that is opposing whatever they were saying five minutes ago. So why do you think people like her continue to speak up? Because she obviously thinks the opposite. Why do right. you think she says anything if she's ultimately going to crack like everybody else five minutes later? I think it's a couple of things. One, one, the first is on the surface, right? I think people like Macy Gray don't see themselves as cracking. They see themselves as courageous because that's how artists think of themselves, right? I'm a truth teller. I speak truth to power. But when you are someone who sees yourself as oppressed or part of an oppressed group, the last thing you want to do is to be associated with an oppressor. And what the left has done by changing the rules of gender is that they've basically created an entire class of Klansmen who used to be, who are with them on 99% of the issues, but because they dissent as it relates to sex and gender and gender ideology, they're basically, again, they're burning rainbow crosses every time they speak. So Macy Gray doesn't want to get lumped in that category. But what's beneath it is the, is the spiritual reality that no amount of sacrifice, and you, find, you see this in the Old Testament, right? This is why the, the, the children of Israel every year had to come back with more sacrifices. And, and what Jesus did was he became the full and final sacrifice. You don't see animal sacrifice anywhere in the New Testament after Jesus stepped on the scene. So, so what Macy Gray is doing is she thinks that there is uh, a, uh, enough flesh that she can give to the woke mob to, to quell the fire of rage and wrath that they have against her. But what she is going to realize and realizes now is that, that that type of wrath, that fire burns forever. There's never enough. No apology is enough. And they always want more. If they ask for one million, for if Glad asks for one million and you give one million, they'll come back around and say, it's not enough. You need to give two million. And I, and I think people need to understand that lesson and be comfortable standing on truth. But that truth has to be um, a transcendent objective truth, not what we have created, which is basically truth, meaning whatever the mob says is true for this particular election cycle. Uh, guys, I, I'm going to go a little bit simpler here in terms of explanation of why she's doing this. And, and again, it's why the truth sets you free. It's why the truth and honesty are preferable. You can't keep your lies straight. <laughs> and seriously, mm. so She's talking to Piers Morgan, and the conversation spins in a direction where she can't remember what lie she's supposed to tell, so she just tells the truth to Piers Morgan, and, 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 then, and then someone taps her, got off saying, girl, you just told the truth. What are you, you know we're a part of the whole lie mafia? We're satanic. Our, our, your music contract is built on uh, fortifying and supporting lies, and then she, oh, that's right. Oh, I'm supposed to lie there. And so, she, give me a book, me an interview on Today Show. I'll go on there and tell the lie. Hmm. And and I just the the, the uh, hostility towards truth creates an insanity among hmm. its believers. And so these these people are insane. And she can't. Again, it's very easy for me to remember the truth. The lies that I've told. I told yes. one yesterday. It's hard for me to remember. And so 
you know, she's just confused. It's just, it's just that, oh God, it's, I'm not supposed to tell the truth. She forgot which cult she was in. And again, it's one of the reasons why I, I love this show and, and love getting out of the corporate media deal. You don't have to remember the lies. I don't, I don't have to pretend to be something I'm not. And again, and I tried my best to avoid it while I was at ESPN or Fox Sports or whatever. But then you're handcuffed by things you conversations you just avoid, mm. so that you know mm. you just, oh we won't talk about that, mm. and you know the topics and things you you choose to even talk about on TV are comparable because you're beholden to these lies, and that's why you see people uh, talking about the same topic every single day. That's a safe right. space. That's you know Tim Tebow's kneeling. Let's talk about Tebow every day. Million other things can go on, and they will avoid it. Oh, that may take me down the path of truth, and I want no parts of that. Yeah, I, and, well, and I mean, you. So you, that's. Go, go ahead. No, I, go I, ahead, I, I was just gonna say, you, you you say you see it even in Christian circles, and that's one of the things I said in the column, that you you have a lot of. Well, let me not say a lot, but th- there are pastors, and I, I quoted one pastor, who was the president of former president of the Southern Baptist Convention, right? So was seen as a theologically conservative um, um, convention and, and group of, you know, organization that has different churches under it. He said that he advises that Christians engage in pronoun hospitality, quote unquote, when dealing with someone who's gender confused, <laughs> right? Yes, so uh, if 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 the if the shepherd pronoun hospitality is one right. of the great descriptions, I enjoyed reading that in your column. Go ahead. So, but but here's the thing: it, the 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 job of a shepherd is to lead the flock to green pastures and to to keep it away from keep wolves away from preying on it. Right. So it's both provision and protection. But when you feed sheep synthetic grass, they die. And when you tell them to be more winsome in the presence of the, the enemy that wants to devour it, it dies. So when people like J.D. Greer or David French of, uh, you know, Drag Queen Story Hour being a blessing of liberty fame, when they engage in this type of public commentary, they're weakening the resolve of Christians who are looking for anyone to be able to tell them and advise them and guide them and shepherd them in, in the way of truth. because. Macy Gray is an easy target. She's a celebrity. She's, she's, you know, she's got her own money. People see her as selling her soul. Okay. But there are millions of people, Christian and not, who are on their jobs. And every June, they get nervous because they're wondering if whether this is the, the June in which they're going to have to either decide to put up the little pride flag on their desk to show that they're in solidarity or risk losing out on a promotion or even losing their job to show that they, they won't bow to Baal. So it's one of those things where this, this is coming to everybody's doorstep at some point. And what the left does, they smear the, the little you know BLM on the doorpost, so they hang their little LGBT flag so that the death angel can fly over and say, no, that, this one is safe. But what they don't understand is that he's coming back. He may miss you today, but eventually he's coming back. And, and they realize now that there's no amount of self-sacrifice that they can give that that'll fully and finally satisfy their false gods. 
And I think what you said is so blatantly obvious to the rest of us paying attention. When does the left and the people who have been eaten by this mob eventually realize that there's no such thing as enough? That time has to come. Yeah, I mean, and, and some of the commentary back and forth between like J.K. Rowling and Matt Walsh and um, uh, I think uh, another gentleman and Macy Gray is sort of bringing that to the surface because J.K. Matt Walsh is basically saying, I have no sympathy for people like Macy Gray because they're cowards. They won't stand up for the truth. And here comes J.K. Rowling saying, well, you, you don't know what you're talking about. We face death threats and, you know, it's more than just mean comments. And everybody else is saying in response to J.K. Rowling, well, that's exactly what he's talking about. He wants more people like you to stand up and speak because without that, without someone like you saying enough, this is just going to continue on. And people need to realize that on, on the left, there's no such thing, as you said, TJ, as enough. Every line has been pushed. It started with drag queens reading stories to kids in the libraries where parents brought them of their own will, where it was a voluntary program, to drag queens in schools where education is compulsory, sometimes without parental consent, and now kids at drag shows where you have, as, as uh, Chris Rufo calls them, transgender strippers walking around in leather chaps and thongs and, and fake breasts that are b bouncing all over the place, giving kids money, right? And, and, people, and the parents standing around applauding. And at no point does any, any prominent person on the left say, you know what, I, th I think we've reached Enough. I think it's enough. I think we should stop right here. So it's, it's only a matter of time. And Jason, I know you say this all the time. We say it on the show, right? That plus is is a, is extremely loud while being silent. And there's no reason for me to think that in five to ten years, the mainstreaming of pedophilia, they'll call it something else, minor attracted per people, that that will not be mainstream and someone will not come up and say, if you reject this, you're a bad person. And here come, it'll be Macy Gray, who will be a little bit grayer, because it'll be five years from now. And she'll say, well, you know, I, 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 I think kids uh, should be able to love who they want. And people say, wow, we, we affirm you. And that's where it's going, unless, unless we stand up um, and say enough is enough. Yeah, they're, they're going to flag it under the love is love. They'll put it underneath Correct. that umbrella, love is love. And, and you know what, later this week, we're going to get into this, maybe tomorrow, but I don't know if you guys saw it. And Go ahead and play the approval rating thing while I'm sitting here talking, because I'm about to take us in a whole different direction, but we're going to go to the approval rating on Macy Gray. Uh, but this Joe Biden, Hunter Biden stuff, mm. we're going to have to get into that <laughs> this week. Yes. If, if he's, they're talking about he's listed in his son's phone as pedo Pete, uh, his daughter's diary says he's taking showers with her inappropriately when she's a kid. Uh, I, I'm t I, I got friends that I was talking to this morning and family. That they're all part of the Democratic cult. And, and when, I, when I call and talk to them about it, y'all see what's going on here with this? Because I've been telling them for 10 years they're going to legalize pedophilia. Mm. And I'm just mm. like... You, you see these stories about Biden, they all want to get off the phone, they all want to act like uh, they don't know what I'm talking about, they all get uncomfortable. No, I didn't know that. Well, what are you watching? What are you? Anyway, approval rate. Let, let's, let's, let's get to Macy Gray. All right, Macy Gray, uh, who, you know, I'd heard the name, but I'm not 
I guess she's a star or whatever. Uh, and Shamika sang me one of the songs or whatever. But uh, job performance, she's a musical artist. She's part of the Hollywood music industry satanic cult. And, uh, you know, she's had some success. She's back in the news. So I give her a 19 in job performance. Uh, TJ? Uh, not a huge R&B fan, but I have heard one of her songs, which is one more than I've heard in many other ones. And it, it, it came out and got a Grammy when I was nine. Oh, so wow. I will give her a slightly above average score of 14. Mm. All right. Delano? Um, I gave her a 10 in job performance. Um, I remember Macy Gray most prominently as being a supporting actress in Training Day. Um, I probably know one of her songs, but that's where I remember her from, when she demanded that Denzel's character show her the warrant, and then she told the guys on the street to start shooting at him, so, so she gets a 10. She was Sandman's wife, <laughs> yes. Yes. Uh, character, uh, I, I'm kind of down the road here because of, look, she still occasionally tells the truth, and that's pretty good for a Hollywood person. Uh, so she stumbled into the truth on Piers Morgan. That means the programming hasn't taken full effect. She, you know, she doesn't know exactly what's to say at all the time. So I gave her a 14 in character. The, uh, the last political thing she did prior to this was her push to change the American flag because it was not inclusive or representative of America. She wanted the stars mm -hmm. to be different shades of brown and white and beige because that would be more inclusive. And she said, America is not pure. We got to get rid of our white stripes and need to make them gray. So she gets a five. I mean, it could be worse. You could have asked for Crisco grease or fried chicken something to be a part of the... So I gave her a five. <laughs> I mean, just saying it could be worse. Delano. <laughs> so I, I gave her a three. Um, because wow. I, I forgot about you that, TJ. I, I, you, 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 um, you jogged my memory on that one. Because to me, one of the lowest character things you can do is to intentionally lie about something that's that important. And this wasn't, this wasn't a, after 20 years of reflection. This was less than a week. So to me, I mean, it doesn't matter how much you paint, paint yourself as some you know, off the beaten path um, independent artist. If, if they can get you that quickly, it doesn't speak too well for your character. Uh, authenticity, I can't go very high here. Uh, she folded in three or four days. <laughs> Uh, so I'll give her a 10 in authenticity. Again, I'm probably a little bit more lenient than you guys just because I was so impressed that she even stumbled upon the truth with Pierce Morgan. So I'll give her a 10 in authenticity. Well, if we're going by your logic, that just means she has a bad memory because she can't remember <laughs> all the lies. I I'm stunned that you've got her in the double digits. She gets a zero. It, it didn't take her three or four days. It took her three or four minutes. She realized the second they came out of her mouth and that Pierce agreed with her, she said, I screwed up whatever I'm doing, and she went on to Twitter and, and immediately gave her half apology and then needed to book something oh. to apologize. Mm -hmm. So didn't take her any time. Um, authenticity means that, in essence, you are and you say what you believe. Uh, I don't know which one to pick because they're polar opposites in a few hour period, so. Mm. Yeah. All right, Delano. So I, I, I gave her a four. Um, she has a very unique speaking style, which is, equal parts staccato and I mean at times I, I'm like is she a tweaker so I mean that's fairly authentic <laughs> um, but 
female I, I docked her, <laughs> Yeah, I, I docked a bunch of points for the same reason that TJ said, right? It's and, and Jason, I, I I think I don't know that she stumbled upon the truth. I mean, she just acknowledged what everyone sees in nature, but you have to be programmed into the other side. So so that's that's why I docked her a bunch of points. So I gave her a four. Uh, overall, oh no, it factor, uh, it factor. She's booking all the, you know, Pierce Morgan, Today Show, the next. She certainly got something. She's got a new album coming out. So I gave her an 11 in It Factor. I The biggest reason that I gave her a 10, so only, uh, that's the only other place besides, I guess, job performance. She's in double digits for me. And the, the real reason, she did get a Grammy, again, when I was nine, so we're two decades away from that now. You don't get that much credit for that. I gave her some points for being Sam Man's wife in, in training day. I really did. So <laughs> 10 points for her on it factor. So y'all going to make me watch training day again. Mm. So, so I, I, I gave her four um, for some of the same reasons. I mean, Outside of Training Day, I'm, I know maybe one song. I'm not as familiar with her catalog. She doesn't really say much that's particularly relevant to me. So, and, and this, having this be the thing that brings you back into the public light and folding like a, like a cheap dollar store napkin, um, it's hard for me to go much higher than that before. All right, uh, so you guys both have her at a dumpster fire. Uh, Delano at 21, TJ 29. I got a candle lit at 54. Maybe I'm, maybe I'm getting soft in my old age. Uh, I've got her can- I feel bad about that now. Yeah, I'm getting soft. All right, thank you, Delano. Thank uh, you, great guys. job. Uh, go to youtube.com slash Jason Whitlock. Hit the notifications. Hit subscribe. Jerome Davison. You guys have seen his uh, KKK commercial in Arizona. If you haven't, stick around. You don't want to miss it. Thanks. All right, welcome back. Uh, TJ, this may be my favorite part of today's show. Uh, I don't, did you catch it last week? Uh, there was a viral uh, campaign advertisement put out at politician, candidate I had never heard of named Jerome Davison. It was literally the most brilliant, hilarious, provocative, uh, political campaign ad. It's only like 30 seconds that I'd ever seen. What impact it had on me. Probably watched it 20 times mm. and probably 15 times the first day I saw it. I laughed out loud every time and just thought, this, this guy is a genius. Uh, so let's play the clip. I know many of you have seen it, but let's play the commercial uh, and then we're going to bring Jerome in to talk about it. Democrats like to say that no one needs an AR-15 for self-defense. That no one could possibly need all 30 rounds. But when this rifle is the only thing standing between your family and a dozen angry Democrats in Klan hoods, you just might need that semi-automatic in all 30 rounds. That says so much in 30 seconds. It's pro-Second Amendment. Hmm. It's calling out the Democrats for their obvious racism. Soon as I saw, I was like, I got to know who this is. And it turns out he's a former NFL running back, longtime minister, 
Uh, Jerome Davison, thank you so much. He's running for uh, Congress out of Arizona in District 4. He's a Republican uh, nominee or fighting for the Republican nomination. Uh, Jerome, thank you so much. Whose idea was that commercial? Well, I wish I could take credit for it, but my, I have some young people around me, and his name is Austin. He, he had the concept in his back pocket for about two years, and we waited for the right timing. It was a, there was a spiritual thing. We knew that God wanted to do something and hit these people in the mouth, and we waited for the right timing. The time was right to drop it, and we needed the right candidate with the boldness and the platform to get it done, and I was the one. And uh, I'm not afraid of none of this stuff. I think we've got to stand up and fight against these people. The Democrats, because I believe that the evil one, the wicked one, Satan, has landed in their hearts, and we got to fight before they take away our freedoms. I watched an interview, an hour-long interview you did uh, with a, either a podcast host or a radio host. Uh, I watched it last week because I'm telling you, I saw this commercial. And I was like, I got to figure out who this dude is because he's got mm -hmm. a pair. And, <laughs> and have you <laughs> have you always been on the conservative side, even when you were a football player, because one, I went and looked, saw you wrote a book about uh, your divorce and yeah. you know getting cheated on by your wife. Have you always been this transparent and have you always been on the leaned, the conservative way politically? Well, I've been a pastor for close to 30 years. And uh, while I was with the Oakland Raiders, uh, Al Davis named me the team chaplain. And uh, so I, I've always been very bold. When I gave my life to Christ at 17 years old, I've been walking with the Lord in a very close way uh, all that time. I don't drink and smoke and do all the clubbing and stuff like that. And it's, and it's really disciplined my life to where I'm sharp and I can see evil. And I believe real evil is in the hearts of the Democrats. And yeah, I have no problem with being bold. I don't care what people have to say about me. But uh, honestly, I voted for Obama the first term. And six months after that, man, I fell on my knees before God and I cried and I wept for about two days. I felt so sick. I felt sick. And then I began to see how he was. He was a he was a charlatan. He was an evil one. And he was going to bring this agenda upon us. And I asked God to forgive me. And God forgave me for voting with that man and voting with the Democrat Party. And ever since then, I've been really warning Christians, telling people that you cannot be a Christian and be a Democrat. Everything that about is about Democrats is anti-humanity, anti-God, anti-Bible. When they say prayers with a man and a woman at the end, when they want to turn your son into a girl as early as eight years old without your permission, these people are very demonic. And I believe I have a mission. Football was a great passion for me. I loved it. I love I, I bench pressed 465 pounds at, at 19 years old at Arizona State. I still hold that record to this day. Football was a great passion for me. But this right here, running for U.S. Congress and getting there and be a policymaker is a mission for me from God, I feel. I saw in your interview that you lead a black church. How does your congregation <laughs> How does your congregation feel about your politics? Well, they they don't really like it. And, and really trying to teach a mostly predominantly black congregation policies and 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 and, uh, and stuff like that. Well, I'm not the senior pastor there. And that, that's really a tough thing for me. If I was a senior pastor, my whole congregation would be Republican. But uh, I'm not the senior pastor at this church here in Phoenix. Now, I planted a church in Northern California when I was playing ball for the Raiders and with the San Francisco 49ers. I was yeah, right there in the Bay Area. And I pastored there for 20 years until that stuff happened in my life. And I ended up going 
going through a divorce and that really tore the church apart. Not on any actions of mine. I never, listen, I travel the world playing ball. You know how it goes, seeing beautiful women and getting off of buses and going to the hotel. You could just pick one. You, 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 come with me to my room. I never did that. I never cheated, never did any of that stuff. My, ex, my ex-wife did what she had to do and that's okay. I forgive her. We're all moving on. And uh, so, yeah, I, 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 if it was my church and my church was mainly, my church would be a Republican church. But I can't go in these churches and talk policy with these folks. What I do notice in the black churches is that they're willing to bring somebody in like Pete Buttigieg. But when it comes to me, they say we don't want to have uh, polit- politics in the church because we believe in the separation of church and state. But you bring Pete Buttigieg, who's openly gay, okay? And living a life that is uh, that is anti-Christ and anti-God, but you bring him into your holy convocation. What kind of stuff is that? One of the things I've had to explain to uh, family members is like that, particularly those that get all their news from MSNBC or CNN. Mm-hmm. I-, I say, hey, I think, best of my knowledge, most of these people you're listening to are atheists. And, and so I'm like, as a Christian, your worldview is being shaped by atheists. Yes. Are you sure you're getting the right point of view? Shouldn't you be interpreting the world through a biblical worldview? And right. that's what I see you trying to do and trying to hold people accountable for. Yeah. And a lot of times people in my family or friend, they don't have an answer. How are you going to be a Christian? And all mm-hmm. your news is coming from Don Lemon. And Don right. Lemon don't care nothing about God. And right. he doesn't share your lifestyle. He's married to a white man. Are you yep. married to a white man? And, <laughs> exactly. and But I just, I don't get it. Mm-hmm. Well, didn't they tell us that uh, the white man was the greatest threat to America? Didn't they tell us that uh, the white that the white supremacy is the greatest threat to America? And yet some of them have a problem with my ad and a black man carrying a gun, defending himself. I was in my home in the video. You saw me taking a sip from the cup and, and it was symbolic of me enjoying America. And uh, and then I'm praying in my home and enjoying my home and I'm being invaded by these Democrats who are KKK members. And the history of that is that they did not want black people to be armed and they didn't want black people to vote. And some people say that they change parties. I said, well, you show me any kind of legislation that proves that the Democrats and Republicans switch. Well, then I'll believe you. It was never a switch. The Democrats are still evil. And, and, and we had what well, we had a, a a grand wizard in the Senate as as recent as 2009. And Hillary Clinton and uh, Joe Biden attended his funeral and had great things to say about him. So um, they have always been the party of hating of black people. They've always been a party of segregation and, and hate, and they have not ceased. And I believe a part of my mission and my battle is to fight against these Democrat liars and these people that are trying to harm black people. You see actresses in Hollywood and, and all this kind of stuff pushing for for abortion and pushing to uh, keep the stuff. They're doing it because they are racist. They don't like black people and they want to keep us as as uh, as least populated as possible. And as far as gun control goes, they said, well, you don't need to have a need for for AR-15 and you don't have that. Well, listen. They haven't even taken away the guns out of the black community. There's Uzis going on in there. And they have not even fought to get rid of the criminals with the guns, killing innocent mothers, walking down the street with a, with a baby in their stroller. And yet they don't make that kind of stuff. I was attacked the other day by a brother, a black dude. 
And he kept telling me about, y'all got to get rid of these guns at the school shootings, get rid of these guns at the school shootings. I said, Yo, you're upset now because some white kids got shot up, right? You're upset because some, some Hispanic kids got shot up. Why aren't you upset? Because you can put five or six school shootings together and it won't even equal what happens in the, in the week in, uh, in Chicago every day. So you should be angry about the guns in Chicago and in San Francisco and in New York and in, in Atlanta before you even start trying to take away guns from everyday law-abiding citizens. The thing I loved about your commercial is, is something I've tried to point out to people that your, your commercial did in 30 seconds. The history of the KKK. Founded yes. right here in Tennessee, we're based in Tennessee, but it was the enforcement arm of the Democratic Party. That was the role of the KKK at its founding to go intimidate black and white people into supporting the Democratic Party. And I don't, and, and, and we think somebody sprinkled some magic dust over the Democratic Party, but I don't see it because I see Antifa and Black Lives Matter, basically, they're the new KKK. They're out Amen. terrorizing black and white people that mm -hmm. won't support the LGBTQ, I call them the alphabet mafia. Uh, they, they won't support the alphabet mafia and won't mm -hmm. support the democratic agenda. That's right. They are the right and left hand of the Democrat Party. And let me just add one, to, one more to that. I believe the FBI is an apparatus of the Democrat Party. They have, and so we talk about these school shootings and you want to talk about this stuff. They knew about these school shooters prior to the shootings. They were, they were in chat rooms with them. They knew about it. They were called, they were warned about these shootings, but they did nothing. But yet they can stage uh, and a kidnapped attempt of Gretchen Whitmer. They can, they can, they haven't even attempted to go into the black communities to take the guns from those criminals, but uh, they need to be defunded. And I think they are a, another apparatus of the Democrats. Uh, Antifa and Black Lives Matter operate in the same spirit as the KKK. As a matter of fact, over there in Portland, I don't know if you saw images of it, they was burning crosses and doing all the same stuff that uh, that the KKK did to frighten and terrorize black people and folks that supported black people in the South. Jerome, how, how was the commercial received? And in Arizona, I'm looking up the, the weapon laws now, looks like it's a constitutional carry state where similar to, I, th I think uh, Tennessee's this way, I know Missouri where I'm from is this way, you don't need to go even get a permit. You, it's, you have a built-in concealed carry from the Constitution. Um, it is, you can open carry in Arizona. It is a shall issue state if you do wanna go get that. The, the castle doctrine and the stand your law grounds all apply. Mm -hmm. I would imagine in Arizona, that's a pretty gun-friendly state. That would have been a well-received message coming from you. Absolutely. It's very well received. Uh, it has really energized the GOP party because here's the thing. We have had we have not had anybody bold enough in the GOP party to stand up for any rights. I mean, they just really allowed the Democrat Party to run roughshod over us. And while we play defense, you know, we just let them go out and do offensive plays and then let them score on us. We're like a Swiss cheese defense. But I want them to know that I'm coming. And I'm going to push the issue. I'm going to set the narrative. You're not going to set the narrative in this country. I'm going to set the narrative. They told me that uh, to, that once I win the primary, that somebody from Washington is going to come and teach me the ropes. Don't you send nobody here. 
Don't send anybody here from Washington. I'm going to go to Washington with my own message and with my own ideas, and I'm going to enforce what I need to do for the people of Arizona and for the people of America. Yes, they are excited about that because 2A is the deal here in Arizona. And uh, with fentanyl and drug cartels and all kinds of dangerous stuff coming across that border, man, people are really afraid of what's coming in. We don't know what's going on. Most of these guys are 30 years old. They're military age guys. And uh, where are they going? Why are you just bringing in all of these men into this country? And I tell people, start getting ready, arm yourselves, and be prepared for what's coming. Uh, we, we also discovered and know that uh, it was in the news that the IRS is buying up all the weapons, buying up all these bullets. And I think it's Matt Gates, uh, Congressman Matt Gates, is trying to form a, write a bill to stop the IRS, IRS from buying weapons. What are you buying weapons for? Drone. How has the Republican establishment reacted to your candidacy? Well, they love love it because I'm a I'm a preacher and I know how to move the crowd. You know, a lot of black people can come in and do that kind of stuff and and all that kind of stuff. But that, but really, I haven't gotten a lot of support financially or anybody saying, "Hey, man, you're the kind of guy we need. You are a rare type of candidate. You're a hybrid. You're spiritual. You know what's happening in the spirit. You know what's happening uh, globally. You know what's happening nationally." And uh, my message has been profoundly received by the people. But far as the establishment goes, uh, it hasn't been received. Uh, you know, they're just going to stand back and kind of wait. But I, I have heard a lot of things through the grapevine that there's some people that they're trying to support. But my ad, when that ad dropped and went glo- went, went uh, viral, it just stopped them in their tracks. I mean, we had to stop them from driving their cars off a bridge, you know, because, <laughs> I mean, this thing was very powerful, man. It shocked them. See, when God is with you. It- you know, it's not going to take a whole lot of money. And although I do need money for my campaign and volunteers, but it's not going to take a whole lot of money. The power of God can take something so small and take something little, small commercial. We put that thing together in five minutes, man, five minutes. It took a long time to make the suit, but the but the ad itself sitting down and in five minutes, we did that. And when we released it, when we dropped it, it, it was like putting your thumb in Satan's eye. He was hurting. Drone, you said earlier that you voted for Obama in 2008, mm-hmm. and then six months in, you dropped to your knees and asked God for forgiveness. Why? Yeah. What did Obama do that turned you off? Well, I, uh, God kind of let me see some stuff that was coming. Uh, he was going to push this uh, LGBT thing. He was going to push for the same sex. And once the same sex, once these uh, same sex unions took place, uh, that they were going to start going after the kids. And sure enough. He started going after the kids, and that hurt me really bad. And I asked, and I started preaching to my church that we cannot support uh, President Obama or any of that stuff. I don't care if he's black, white, or whatever. If he fell from the sky, if he was an angel, if he was an angel, if he preached anything other than Jesus Christ and man and a woman, because after God made them male, female, the Bible says He blessed them. So anything else after that is a curse. And so we don't want to support that. But I, uh, I would. That's why I was excited about. Uh, President Donald Trump, he came in talking straight. It wasn't all this misogyny and 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 sophistry because we during the time of Obama, we had more racial tension and more racial division. We had police officers shooting people. We had, it was just really a rough time. Um, he created a lot of division. So yeah, I really feel like the Democrats are really the arm of Satan in this in this earth right now. I, I I tend to agree with you. I, I 
want to wish you uh, the best of luck and, and ha would love to have you back on the show because we definitely need someone as bold as you, uh, as, as someone as spiritual and, and a Christian like you uh, out there fighting for us. Uh, and, and we need, I, I say this all the time, Jerome, on this show, that if you understand the history of America and what made the country great, the black religious man has been the moral compass for this country. Going all mm -hmm. the way back to Richard Allen and the African yep. Methodist Church in the mm -hmm. 1700s, to Frederick Douglass, to Booker T. Washington, to, Mar to Martin Luther King, and, and right now we're missing that moral compass mm -hmm. uh, because they've, they've turned us out. They've, they've, yeah. they, you know, for political power, we sold out all of our biblical beliefs uh, for political power and for m uh, money and uh, for pleasure, you know, right. lust. Right. We, we've, the flesh uh, yep. has got a hold of us. And if we don't have some people with some moral integrity and particularly Black people, because it's like we're the lab rats for all of their. <laughs> I plans. love that. That's, that, that's a great, why, I'm gonna start saying that. Yeah, we are the lab rats. That, that's Planned Parenthoods in our community mm -hmm. and got our women thinking that their greatest right is their ability to kill the, their child in their womb wow. and to keep our population as small as possible. We actually mm -hmm. think that's freedom. It, it's, wow. We we've been so hoodwinked and brainwashed. Mm -hmm that it's going to have to take guys like you preaching the truth from a yeah. biblical perspective to wake us up. Brother, I'm telling you, I, I feel like, I don't know, like, how did I end up doing this thing? How did I end up getting in this position to want to run in politics? Well, I'm thankful for President Donald Trump and I'm thankful for conservatives like yourself who have been putting the truth out there. But man, I love preaching the gospel, man. I love preaching. What I see happening now with all this censorship and this thing called hate speech circumventing our right to say anything and not and, and I see a danger coming towards the church to where they're going to stop us from preaching the gospel because they're going to start telling us that you can't tell a person who's LGBT or gay or transgender that they can be saved. Saved from what? They were born this way and, and, and you can't try to tell them. So they're creating laws in California now that if you try to bring any therapeutics or any change to a person who's LGBT, well, then you could be sued or liable. This is dangerous. So I'm going to hit, I'm coming in, in with some offensive of game plan. I'm tired of just seeing everybody play defense. I played fullback in NFL. I'm, I busted folks up. I ran into Ray Lewis too, by the way, oh, in Baltimore. It wasn't a fun thing. I mean, Ray Lewis is bringing that stuff. I brought mine too. <laughs> but we got to go in with our stuff. An internet bill of rights. We're going to, I have a, I have a plan to go in with an internet bill of rights to go after big tech and to label them public utilities to where they can't kick us off these platforms. Because if they don't respect the first amendment, they're not going to respect anything thereafter. And when they take away your right to speak and to preach the gospel in the name of Jesus and tell people what's right and what's wrong, well, then your society has been captured by Satan and the people of Satan. Thank you, Jerome. We will stay in touch. Wish you well. Uh, thank you so much. All right. It's a great show. I'm kind of excited about Jerome. I like him. Yeah, I like him a lot. All right. I like tomorrow probably a little bit more, <laughs> just being honest. Uh, I think I hear tomorrow. That means we'll see you tomorrow.
Freedom. 